Welcome back to the Man Catholic Podcast. My name is Steve Priest. I'm Brock Martin. And I'm Thomas Wirtz. Today we are talking about what the H is magnanimity. And to kick this off, we have a great story about St. Joseph. This time. And it's Easter Monday, so what a great time to reflect on the patron of the church, St. Joseph, the greatest saint in the church, second to his wife, Our Lady, the Queen of Heaven and Earth. As Brock reminded us earlier, he's the terror of demons. Um, St. Joseph, someone that we don't know a lot about. He doesn't have a single word quoted in scripture, but we do know that he was entrusted to be the spouse of our queen, and to raise our Savior. And St. Joseph was a man that, that acted from what we know, which is fitting with the, the kind of profile that we have in our minds of the terror of demons. And you think back to, to Joseph's life when he met Mary and he's engaged, betrothed, and he finds out that Mary is with child. And he responded with some confusion, but he didn't seek to have her stoned. He didn't humiliate her. He wanted to quietly distance himself. But our Lord said to him, no, you will take Mary as your wife. And he acted, he responded. And St. Joseph then, he went to Bethlehem where Our Lady gave birth to Jesus. She rode on a donkey. How lovely is that picture? And then it was there that the Lord says to Joseph, you must leave and flee to Egypt because someone is coming to, to seek to kill your son. And he acted, he left, he led his family to Egypt to safety. And after a while being there, eventually our Lord again said, you can now go home. And St. Joseph acted. He led. He responded. He did things that were seemingly quiet. They weren't glamorous things, but they were things that were significant in terms of salvation history and what St. Joseph did. In the quiet of his life, he lived an amazing life, responding to God with, with sincere and immediate action. And I think is a great witness for us and a great thing, great person to be reflecting on in this Easter season. One thing that we can reflect on as well with St. Joseph is this idea of action. And when we talk about action and doing something, it makes me think of prudence, right? You can't be prudent without actually acting. It's one of the aspects of prudence. Mm. Also makes us think of magnanimity, which is a very big word. Mm -hmm. It's hard to say three times fast, but magnanimity, what is it? Yeah, Thomas, what the H is magnanimity? Well, St. Thomas Aquinas says it's the insatiable appetite for great things. And I'm not a Latin scholar, but if you break apart the word, it means greatness of soul and greatness of soul with its insatiable appetite for great things. Now, St. Thomas Aquinas continues on and he says he considers himself worthy of doing great things. Um, but at the same time, he finds that without wanting to is merited honor. And now he must make great use of it. So again, it is not bad to do great big things, and it's not even bad to get honored for that. But it's what we do with that honor and why we do those great things. So it's this, this conquest of greatness. And there's a great book called Created for Greatness by Alexander Havard, and he also wrote Virtuous Leadership. Maybe you've heard of that. But he talks about it in his book that magnanimity is the conquest of greatness, it is not content to initiate, it achieves. So Thomas, going off of what you just said, it's all about action, that you have to act, you have to respond. It is not content to just initiate or to think of ideas, but it has to be active, activity-driven. He said, magnanimity is the virtue of action. There is more energy in it than mere audacity, that the magnanimous person achieves self-fulfillment in and through action. He gives himself over to it. 
with passion and enthusiasm. I love that, Steve. Thanks for sharing that. I think I think magnanimity is a virtue that every man can be attracted to, right? This idea of relentlessly pursuing greatness is something that we've touched on on previous podcasts. This is written in our masculine hearts to pursue that. And and with regards to action and needing to act, I'm curious as, you know, we were thinking about this beforehand, what are the reasons and the things and the roadblocks that keep us from acting or keep us from pursuing that greatness? And there's a couple, but I'd love to start with one that I think is huge for most of us men. I know it is for me. Mm -hmm. And that is the fear of failure. Like how the fear of failure can prevent us and almost paralyze us from from taking a step. Because I think all of us desire to desire that greatness of soul. But I think we all, when we actually get to thinking about what it would take to get there, there can be a lot of shirking and and, and kind of peeling back saying, no, I actually don't know if I have what it takes. Um, And that, that fear of failure, it it prevents us from acting. I'm reminded of a story. This is from early in my childhood, maybe middle school. I remember I was playing football and basketball and football came really naturally to me. Basketball, not so much. And I remember after the, the season, I was planning on quitting basketball to focus only on football. And I remember my dad took me outside one day and we were just talking about it. And he was listening to me, you know, tell him why I wanted to quit basketball and focus on football. And he turned to me and challenged me and said, I actually want you to play basketball more than I want you to play football because it's not something that comes naturally to you. And I think you're going to grow more as a man committing to this and working on this. And that's what I needed. I needed my mm. father to speak confidence into my ability to act and actually to tell me that it's okay if I fail. Yep. You see, we, I think we live in a culture that, and, and the devil is trying constantly to tell us that what we do is more important than who we become. Yes, yep. And the reality is that our Father, God the Father, wants to speak the truth to our souls that who we become is more important than what we do. And when we are when we are resting on that foundation, I think that can help start to chip away at that fear of failure. Yep. Because we, we, we've grown up thinking that what we do is the most important thing in our life. Because I, the world tells us what we do is who we are. Right. It's our identity. And so when we fall to those lies, we place our, the value of who we are in our, what I'm calling identity in that success or failure. And so if we succeed at work, we are good. If we fail at work, we are bad. If we succeed in sports, we are good. If we fail at sports, we are bad. But when our identity is rooted in God, he doesn't care what we do. He cares about who we are. And when we know who we are, we can then pursue greatness fearlessly, knowing that it is for him and through him that we will even desire to achieve greatness. And if we achieve it, it is because of him. I I love that, Brock. I'm glad we're talking about this topic, and, and I'm honored to go in it through with you guys because it's it does seem that a lot of us as men are just dawdling around, and maybe it's fear of failure. I know a lot of it is. It, it was for me in my younger years too. We're just not we're not moving. We're not really seeking a, a, this investment opportunity that pops up. We're not willing to take some risk here. We're not even willing to strive after things on our bucket list. Do we even have a bucket list? Right? Do we have mm-hmm. dreams? Are there things that we want to be achieving, hopefully for the glory of God, not for self-fulfillment, but but let's get up, let's move, right? You guys know that phrase of, you know, poop or get off the pot. Like there's some, there's a reason that phrase became popular because guys don't move. Maybe it's that they're not pursuing the girl or they're not pursuing her well enough. Mm. They're not going to propose whatever it is. By the way, when I was in the bathroom doing a number two, someone peed all over the toilet seat. Can I just say yeah. an advertisement? Right, guys. guys, pick up the seat before you pee. Let's talk about greatness, like starting the little things. Mm-hmm. Lazy dude, you know, or wipe it up if you really had to go that bad and you <laughs> didn't have time to pick up the seat. Wipe it up, man. Okay. But I'm glad we're t- like guys are just doddling around and we need to awaken 
in our souls this not just desire for greatness but the action yep. of achieving it well i mean if a thousand years ago guys would go conquer castles together mm-hmm. right and now like we're we're beating video games together and that's a visual that's there's humiliating in some ways right like, totally. what do we do i mean look at what happened to, to us and and for so many of us it's not our fault right we we were born at this time and and we are in this culture so it's time to wake up first of all to wake up to look at the situation around us and then to respond but you were talking about being great and and responding and and being called the action and i don't think we as men are stepping up to lead as well and again maybe it's fair fear of failure maybe it's because there's someone else who's leading maybe we think well if i don't they will and uh, maybe i'm not going to be a good leader i want to read this from uh Alexander Avard's book again, if you'll bear with me, he talks about why the world lacks Christian leaders. He says, many Christians believe in God, but few believe in themselves, in their talents and capabilities, as their concept of humility excludes magnanimity. Such people cannot and will not lead. And so it comes as no surprise then that the Western world today rarely recruits its political leaders among believing Christians. Let that one sink in for a bit. He says the most influential leaders of the past 300 years were not Christians. This is not because Christians were expelled from social life. It is because so many Christians voluntarily withdrew from it. It is the most astonishing case of the self-castration of a whole community in the history of humanity. Men, we are choosing to not engage in the world around us and what's going on. And it's so funny. So I used to coach my son Colby in baseball. And so often, you know, at a young age, these kids would get out in this huge sandbox of an infield and think, this is amazing. I have all this dirt to myself. No one's around me. No one's allowed to be around me. I get a play with all of this dirt by myself. And so in the middle of a game or in the middle of batting practice, there they are on the ground drawing pictures or building up mounds of dirt. And the whole problem is not that they don't know the rules of baseball and it's not that, you know, they haven't been trained to be excellent athletes. It's that they forgot that they were in the middle of a baseball game. They got distracted by the easiness and the pleasures of life around them by being in this massive sandbox. So they didn't know they were called to action. They were self-selecting out of the baseball game. And I think that's what's going on with men today is we either don't realize that we're in the heat of a battle or we are just self-selecting ourselves out of it, thinking someone else can do this or someone else will do this better than me. I love, and I, I always mention that Shamar, Genesis 2.15, the, the guard protecting piece, because the culture is part of that. And I don't know if it's a false humility. I'm not good enough. I'm not talented enough to do that. Or the, we don't want to risk. Maybe, yeah, Steve, Mm. you mentioned both of you guys fear of failure. But that is a brutal quote and a brutal point by Mr. Havard that we've castrated ourselves. We Mm. talked about why we have testicles, the point, like figuratively castrating, of course, hopefully. But gosh, that's a a gut check. Um, You know, are we willing to to be humiliated if, if that's to be attacked, to have darts thrown us, to be persecuted? If we stand up and lead, are we willing to, to have a voice for the voiceless, mm-hmm. a voice for those that aren't loud enough, you know, or, or to even join in that chant for truth, you know? And so ah, I love that. Yeah, it's intense. I think it's great. I think so. I think it's interesting that for this topic, 
we just we read that quote, Steve, about uh, why why we don't have great magnanimous leaders, especially coming from Christian communities. But I think it's interesting that we chose Saint Joseph to be the patron saint for today, or the saint that we would dive into a little bit more, because he didn't run for political office. He wasn't you know charging castles with his buddies or, or like vanquishing other military operations. No, he was a very humble and quiet man. But what we, we were talking about this earlier, magnanimity really it. it is our response to the greatness that God has called you to. Remember, Aquinas said the relentless pursuit of that greatness. And God has called all of us to a certain level of greatness. And your magnanimity is your relentless response to the greatness that God has laid out. And that's how St. Joseph can maybe be the most magnanimous man that's ever walked the face of the earth other than his son, Jesus. Yep. And we, we don't have a recorded word from him because he wasn't. And some of us aren't called to, to pursue political greatness or financial greatness, but we are called to pursue the greatness that God is asking you to do right now. I want to sh- share that there's a relation here to the virtue of humility. I think we can see that humility and magnanimity I think there's a temptation to view those two as opposed to one another. Because when we hear humility, we think, you know, I'm meek and lowly and and nobody thinks highly of me. But I really want to frame that humility is seeing yourself as God sees you, seeing yourself as you really are. There's a great line from scripture in Numbers 12, 3. It says, now the man Moses was very humble, gentle, kind, and devoid of all sin. He was more humble than any man who walked on the face of the earth. Now, if you know anything about the first couple books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, uh, Moses wrote this verse. So Moses is writing in sacred scripture inspired by God that Moses is the most humble man on the face of the earth. That that should seem really kind of hilarious that Moses is sitting there writing this about himself. Can you just imagine if you got a book from me and I was like, eh, Brock Martin was the most humble man on all the earth. You're like, no, that's actually an oxymoron. You, you can't be the most humble man on the earth. I got to stop. Have you guys seen Guardians of the Galaxy where yes. um, who's who's the big guy with all the tattoos on, on his uh, body? I know who you're talking about. Gosh, what's that guy's name? And he's like, humility. I like it. I too am very humble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So we, we think that there's a there's an oxymoron there, yep. right? But it actually is possible for Moses to write in, in Numbers, I'm the most humble man on the face of the earth, because he's seeing himself as he truly is. And he's not humble by his own merit. He's humble by the grace of God. And I think that's the key for humility. We can pursue relentless greatness, whether it's political, financial, polit- you know, geopolitical, military. We can pursue those great, but we have to be rooted in the fact that all things come from God. Yep. Nothing that I quote unquote possess is actually mine. It yep. all comes from God. And it, for God, right? So yes. when we're talking about greatness, this is for him. So honor and glory might come to us and those things are not bad as long as our intention is doing great things for God. And then what do we do with that honor and glory, right? Mm-hmm. Do we put up posters of ourselves in our house and worship this this image of ourselves, this greatness that we that we have created or mm-hmm. that we think we've created? Or do we actually leverage that honor and greatness in order to make a bigger impact in reaching others for Christ? Yes. Yeah, I think humility tempers our pursuit of greatness in the sense of not slowing it down, but directing it properly. Mm. It's a filter that, because it can be confusing if you're like, hey, do great things, be awesome, be amazing. The vanity seeks in, the the, the pursuit of, of glory, glamour, recognition, all those worldly things can confuse us to what God really is asking us to do, because it 
it doesn't mean, I don't know if, if we made this point yet, it doesn't have to be extraordinary to be magnanimous, right? It doesn't right. have to be something that anyone will even see. I think you did make that when we talk about St. Joseph. So humility, yeah, it's beautiful because it does temper us because it can be confusing. If we seek to be magnanimous without humility, we become narcissistic yes. in some sense, yeah. right? And that's... And vain. And vain. And presidents of the United States, typically, whether or not you're on their side politically, typically have a narcissistic side to them. Right. And it's it's something that, again, holds us holds us back in the right sense. So, so God is always first. God is always served. God is always glorified as we pursue to be great. And it's a, it's a fun juxtaposition. Yep. So I 100% agree with that. St. Therese of Lisieux never desired to be like publicly great in the world. And here she is, one of the doctors of the church. That said, she had dreams to be big and great. Like she wanted to evangelize the world. Yes, she did. She wanted to be great for God. And so I don't want that to be an excuse that says, oh, I don't I, I don't have to do big and great yeah. things. I, I, I can just live in my little quiet, you know— um, world here and and live magnanimously yes that's possible but but i think our call is to so much greater than that yes well i think that's a good practical point so i mean take us into that because it's mentioned that earlier guys are dawdling around they're not yep. they're not thinking they're maybe even dreaming do you even have a bucket list guys you have one with your wife yep i mean that's all part of this topic yep. so. yeah yeah so the first uh, practical that i have here is to acknowledge your strengths and i want you to get out a piece of paper and write down at least three strengths and then if you want to take that to the next step what is god calling you to do with those strengths for his glory for for your greatness you know for your greatness through him and in him but what does he want you to do with those strengths that he gave you because he gave them to you for a reason now what are you going to do with them so write them down acknowledge them the second one is i want you to do something that you might fail at and this yes. goes to brock's point go golf and you're like i'm not a golfer great That's go perfect. play a round of golf <laughs> with someone right now and endure that humiliation every time you shank it um do something that you'll fail at let's um, th- let's go on that for one second because this sure. is fun ask the girl out Ask right. her out. Yep. Um, at work, take on a project that you think might be too much for you. Don't, yeah. Obviously, we don't want to stretch ourselves too thin, all that stuff. Don't be but reckless. Don't be reckless, right? Thank you. But challenge yourself. Mm-hmm. Let yourself be challenged. Yeah. Uh, try to build something this weekend. Try to fix something in the house. Um, go grocery shopping for your wife. I fail every time at doing Angel that. take twice I, as long. <laughs> I, get, I buy the wrong things and it takes twice as long. Do something that you might fail at and be unafraid of that because you're only going to get better at whatever it is you try and go do. And it, the point of that is to, to kind of flex a muscle Right. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and to learn and to grow. Right. Yep. To flex the muscle of of humility. So enduring the 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 humiliation of a bad shot at golf. It right. it sucks to do that. But at the same time, you're going to be growing in golf or whatever it is you go yes. decide to do. Uh, the third one is I want you to while you've got that list out of your strengths, write down a list of three to five people who are magnanimous that you see as magnanimous, who are seeking greatness of soul for the sake of God. So these should be, you know, men who are who are living that life. And then I want you to schedule a hangout with one of them. Go ask them for coffee, for beer. Hey, come play golf with me while I uh, suck at this. And, and I just want to watch you and I want to learn from you. Um, and, or maybe you don't even have to say, Hey, I'm, I'm trying to learn about mag- magnanimity here, but I just want to hang out and then just watch them, see how they treat life, think of life and dream big and act big. 
because if they're living it, you have a lot to learn from them. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Brock, for, for getting in this topic. I think it's huge. I think as men, we need to move. We need to act. Remember St. Joseph, his example, being a man of action. Seek a devotion to him. Ask for his intercession. He's there waiting to help us. Move and let the Lord direct you as you move, right? If you're going the wrong direction, trust in him. Seek him out his will always in this and he'll direct you the right way. Absolutely. And all of this, do it in the foundation of prayer. And we've been saying that a lot, uh, but take, take all of these things through prayer so that you know that they're built on the foundation of, of God in that relationship. That's it for today. What the age is magnanimity. Hopefully you understand what that is. This is the man Catholic podcast. If you have a topic for us, email us at man Catholic podcast at gmail.com subscribe and give us five star rating and be sure to pass it on to your friends. Thanks so much, guys. God bless.